Shut up and sit down. Everybody, um, those of you in the chat room, I'd like to apologize for the glitter. It's Rogue's fault. Yep, I did it. I see that. I, I just threw you under the bus, Rogue. Just threw you under the bus. Okay, actually, this is Rogue's podcast. Um, she asked a question um, on my website, and um, it was it got me thinking, and um, and made. <laughs> And made me um, really think about the project in particular that she was um, referencing. So we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, her question is, is, how do you go about restructuring an already mostly written story to include a new person or situation? You did this with the unspeakable plot, but you never said how easy or how hard it was to do. Here's the thing. Yes, I... I wanted to change uh, Unspeakable Plot from a um, Harry Hermione story to a Harry Hermione Draco story because after I wrote um, Darkly Lowell, I felt like I wanted to do a different spin on that. And the Unspeakable Plot really, for me, it, it made an instant connection for me that I wanted to 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 work on that. Um, but my first shot at it fell a little short because what I did was is I took the existing structure of, of the unspeakable plot and tried to insert Draco in to um, various scenes. But the fact of the matter is, is I think that if you are a pantser, going back to insert somebody, um, a character or a situation might be easier than if you're someone who's very structured like myself um, because uh, plot is basically my first draft of, of anything that I plot and um, my scenes have a lot of structure and I build from the ground up but when you build from the ground up in a story like the unspeakable plot inserting another character it's kind of like flicking one of the base cards, and you 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 built a house of cards, and you flick that base, and <sighs> then you got a mess. So I have a mess, but I really still want to do it. I think it has so much potential. Um, it did. His um, the thing is, is that um, Lady Holler said in the um chat room because she's read what I've done of that particular project with the rewrite. Um. Because Draco uh, wasn't in the original draft, uh, and I was kind of lazy with it because I should have replotted. I should have started over. I should have replotted. I mean, not throw all my writing away that I've already done on the project, but I should have replotted and built his emotional arc, and I didn't. I 
because when I originally plotted the unspeakable plot, I, I I have large emotional arcs, not just for Harry, but also for Hermione, um, and for various unspeakables, including Jonah, um, as they come back in time and they have all this pressure to prevent the death of magic, but they also have these interpersonal relationships that they have to deal with, and they come face to face repeatedly with people that died in the war, um, and. I didn't root Draco's emotional landscape well in my first shot at rewriting the unspeakable plot. So I set it aside because not only was I having problems with the the relationship between the three of them being quite shallow, as, as Lady Holder pointed out in the chat room, but he wasn't rooted in the bottom of my plot. And... When I say that I build my foundation, um, it's, he, I build from the ground up with with a plot, and if I don't root all my main characters properly when I'm building my plot, they become, he served no purpose. I built my plot and my purpose around Harry and Hermione. And inserting him without um, building his his uh, motivations properly resulted in him being, um, yeah, kind of, you know, fluff. And he's pretty fluff. Yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely pretty fluff. But the thing is, is that Draco as a character, um, even in H.P. Ken, is 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 very um, nuanced, and there's a lot going on there with with him. And I, um, Rogue sets the glitter bomb on the doorway. That's Rogue's fault. And so it's shallow. And and that's what it boils down to. And um, the relationship between the three of them isn't equal. And so I had to start over at the... And the thing is, is it's so frustrating because there's such... Um, there are some scenes that I that I wrote that I really I really deeply fell in love with, and there are parts like yeah that works, and there are other parts like oh fuck you what what did you do wrong? I'm double burdened myself. It it's it's <clears throat> really frustrating. So what I would say is that when you're getting ready to do something like this, if you're going to insert a person into a work you've you've largely completed or even largely plotted but not written, you have um it if you're a plotter, you have a lot of work ahead of you because you need to reset your brain for the plot and you need to reset the plot and you need to integrate and weave in their external and internal motivations. And the thing is, is if you can't insert their external and internal motivations into your plot, if you can't weave that in, then they had no business being in the story to begin with, especially not as a main character. Um, And so that's the issue that I'm, I'm currently uh, grappling with um, when it comes to the unspeakable plot. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, because of how tightly I plotted that work originally, that it's not, um, as much as I want it to be what I want it to be, it's not there. And I have to figure out 
what I need to rearrange to make it work. And I think it might be the removal of the soulmate bond, which means I had to rework the prophecy that got broken that resulted in, that resulted in the death of magic, which would be, you know, interesting. It would be very challenging, and that's something that I might think about in the future and um, figure out what I want to do with it because I'm really enamored with the idea of, of them coming back in time and finding this, this new relationship between the three of them that didn't exist in the future for various reasons. Um, so I hope that I can uh, do that. But uh, the same issue comes in when you're trying to insert a situation or a new plot point. You, you have to decide um, if that plot point actually serves a purpose. Does it advance your goals for your character? Does it advance the story? And if it does, you have to start at the very beginning and weave it in. And this weaving process can be very, very, very difficult. You, you, because it's more than just a situation. It's more than a single scene. It's it's more than just um, sticking a character in every scene that you've already written um, and giving them dialogue or rearranging the conversation to include them because they have to have purpose within the story, within the scene, across the board from the very beginning. They have to have purpose. And so does your plot point. If you're going to put a subplot into a story that the subplot was missing when you first wrote it, you have to give that subplot a foundation. And so that can be uh, traumatic. If, if, if you don't do it right, you can collapse your whole story and piss yourself off, and then you don't even want to work on it and look on it ever again. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, I think that if I took out the elements that put Draco into the story as part of a triad, and just him being another unspeakable that went back in time with them, that the scenes that he's in would work very well, except for the ones where um, I tried to uh, shoehorn a relationship in there that really just doesn't work for the plot that I, that I currently have. It doesn't work for the scene structure I currently have. Um, but if he was just another unspeakable that went back in time with them, and he's moving around in the background, you know, making things work and, and working out his, his issues and problems, it would be more natural. So my main issue with the rewrite for Unspeakable Plot is the shoehorned relationship that I created um, in my rewrite. Uh, because if he's just another Unspeakable doing his deal, being part of the team, it's not a problem, but when you, but when I tried to insert him into um, the beginnings of a relationship with Harry and Hermione, um, that the whole thing just kind of shatters uh, um, under the weight. It it's not um, it's just not viable. 
And I think it's because there's lots of um, weight already in the unspeakable plot. You know, there's a lot of emotional weight. Um, the the losses that they suffered and the uh, um, the the potions abuse. And maybe honestly, it's just one issue too many. If there's a spare toga, that means one of you is running around naked. I, you know, I'm sorry for those of you who are listening to this in the archive. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyways, <laughs> so when what it boils down to is that you have when you insert a situation, a subplot, um, or a character into an, a, a work you've already written, you have to give them concrete purpose in the foundation of your story and if you can't do that they have no business being in the story to begin with whether it's a character or a subplot or um, whatever if it serves no purpose um, it doesn't need to be there and this is strictly from like a pro writing position that I say this now as a fan fiction writer um, sometimes I do things in my fan fiction this pure vanity that it's um it's just me having as much fun as I possibly can um inserting shit that probably really logistically should not be there like it's it's sort of like that shopping trip everybody puts in their Harry Potter fic you don't really need a shopping trip right but you stick one in anyway <laughs> So there's 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 a lot of vanity in, in in fan fiction writing. You can be really expansive. Um, you can write 50k when realistically, um, if you tightened your plot and tightened your scenes, you could tell the same story in 30k. But you meander around Diagon Alley buying pants and potions and 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 extra animals and. <laughs> <laughs> Harry has four vaults and ten titles. You know, this is the kind of vanity that you can have when when you're writing fan fiction that it that you can just create these really surreal situations for your character that professionally wouldn't fly. Um so, you know, so there um there is that line. And the fact of the matter is is that I could probably post what I've written of the unspeakable plot. And most of my readers will be the, the the rewrite. Most of my readers would be thrilled with it. They wouldn't give a shit about the structural foundation problems I'm having with my plot. They don't give a shit. <laughs> so what it boils down to is what you're willing to accept. And what you're willing to to do um, craft-wise for any story that you write, whether it's um, uh, an original work or, or fan fiction, um, because, like I said, you know, there's there's a lot of vanity in fan fiction. Like, you know, um, if you if you look at the length of, of of some of the stories that that happen in fan fiction, I mean, you got stories um, that are half a million words that 
is not something that you you could not publish a book that was half a million words and expect you couldn't even shop a book that was half a million words. There isn't an editor or a publisher on this planet that would even pick it up unless your name was Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or what's his name? Um, the guy who wrote uh, Game of Thrones. This isn't the kind of thing that you put out um, as a newbie writer, or, or, or even honestly, as a mid-list writer, you can't just go to your agent and say, "Hey, um, here's my book. It's 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 half a million words." Ha 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 ha! No, this is five books, and they hand it back to you and say, "Let me know when you've made it five books," because <laughs> that's not one book. That's five books. <laughs> At the minimum, that's five books. George R. R. Martin, yeah. So, you know, there are people, there are writers who, are prof- who pro- professionally could get away with putting out a five million word um, novel. But they're rare. They are very rare. Because the average commercial novel is anywhere from 75 to 120K. Most publishers, especially print publishers, want you to be under 100k because the longer your book is, the more expensive it is to produce. And if you're a new writer and you're not going to be able to shop 120k as easily as you could say 75,000 words. It, it it's the difference between um 250 um pages and 500 pages. And the longer your book is, the more expensive it is to print, the bigger you the the bigger of a risk you are as a new author. Whereas if Stephen King puts out a five hundred page novel, he's got a, an established fan base who's gonna go to the store, oh look, a new Stephen King book. Pick it up. They're not even gonna look at how big it is or how much it costs. They're gonna take it to the damn counter and say, Take my money. But most writers don't have that kind of fan base and so you don't see that kind of expansive storytelling in the professional market <clears throat> as a rule there are exceptions of course because you know a game of thrones is fucking huge the last harry potter book was fucking huge the stand by stephen king is fucking huge right but they can be because they've already established themselves as a moneymaker, and they're not going to have disappointing sales on a half a million words. That's my soapbox. Um, so, so, you know, like I said, in fan fiction, you're allowed a little bit of vanity. A lot of vanity. You're allowed a lot of vanity because the only person you got to please when you're writing fan fiction is yourself. True story. To quote, what? Non-canon fan. That's what that means. Non-canon fan. Okay. <laughs> I just was not getting it. It was. It was not coming through my brain. <laughs> um, children of Earth. 
um, by Gina Yule is actually um, a, a very long series. Um, don't read the last book. That's just my personal advice. That's, that's the advice I was given. I was told why. I accept this. Um, I am the firm belief that there is fan fiction for everything. I just haven't found it yet. Anyways, so, like, you know, just... Ro, you're in the chat room. Have I answered your question? Anyways. I, uh... The thing is, is there are many, many, many scenes that I wrote in the rewrite of The Unspeakable Plot that I adore. I I really really like um Draco and his mom um and that dynamic going back in time and um because they face a different set of mistakes and that's why Draco is so appealing in time travel time travel fan fiction because he does have a series of mistakes that are very different from Harry's and and Hermione's his mistakes are so vast and deeply personal the mistakes that harry make makes in in, in the series in, in in the original timeline are um are very um expansive they're very uh every little thing he does has impact for the entire magical world within britain not the whole world but you know what i mean it has it has impact um, every little thing that happens to Harry has so much huge impact. Whereas the things that happen to Draco and the things that come about based on his decisions, with the exception of one, are deeply personal. He pays a really big price for his mistakes. He faces a lot of horrible things for his mistakes. And it's really, really interesting to bring someone like him back in time and get him behind his mistakes. Um, because having somebody in front of their mistakes is is interesting because they're, they're damaged. Um, they can't do anything about it. You know, this is a trauma that they're going to live with and they're going to live with the consequences. When you put a character back in time and you put them behind their mistakes, you have all that trauma that they've already experienced. Plus, you give them this this hope of of creating a different, better set of circumstances for themselves and for everybody around them. Um, or, you know, you give them an opportunity to kill everybody who ever did them wrong. One of the two. Just saying. One of the more fascinating things that I, I enjoy um, when I was working on Darkly Lowell is dismantling um, the corruption that I created. I don't know what you mean by the reboot. I don't know what you mean. 
But I do want to um, explore the unspeakable plot and and expand it out um, and explore. And I think that I want to push the relationship a little further further in the future and just um, have them explore their past individually and and work their way towards um, whatever's going to happen. As, as as far as a relationship goes. And maybe that was my mistake. You know, just rushing the relationship. And also I have a structural problem with um with the song with um the unspeakable plot. Because I think that honestly, because my cast is so big that it would lean itself more towards a episode format than a large novel format, which is currently what I've got it in. Because I have so many characters and so many things going on, um, I think that I would it would be easier to explore and develop and spread out if I created episodes. So instead of, say, building a single house, I'm building a village. It would um, uh, allow me to open up my plot and open up my characters and create... Um, uh, boundaries for events and one of the best things about writing in the episode format is that you can create um, that you can focus on secondary characters um, for an entire episode and it doesn't seem out of place whereas if you're writing a novel and you dedicate a whole chapter to a secondary character everybody's like why are you doing this <laughs> <laughs> How hard would it be to convert from a novel to an episode? Um, well, I did it with... Um, what I did... See, Ties That Bind was originally a novel. And um, I realized that structurally it would serve itself better if I wrote it in a novella format. So I separated out... Um, events and situations and I based my novella splits like where I split the events and ties that bind based on the emotional content um, when you're when I'm plotting I normally have an external plot and an internal plot <coughs> and the internal plot is my emotional content. It's my emotional, it's my motivation, is the internal motivations, what's driving my characters. Um, the external is the events surrounding my characters. Now, in Sentinels of Atlantis, um, those episodes are divided by event. And it is episode format. This is why I don't call Ties That Bind an episode format, but a novella series, because I didn't divide the novellas based on events I divided it based on um, the emotional structure of my plot and the characters as they move through my plot and situations were resolved and contained but it was their emotional responses to these events that was more important to me and I needed to keep that part together so that's why it's more why I consider it more a novella series than I would say an episode series because an episode series for me to, to make it really simple for myself I divide it by event so I hope that makes sense
there, there's an essential event, a central conflict um, for each episode of Sentinels of Atlantis. Now, what's interesting about Sentinels of Atlantis is when I plotted it the second time, um, <laughs> we won't go into why, let's not revisit that terrible trauma. Um, when I plotted, um, I wanted to have, um, there are there's a there's a major overall overall arc in the first season of its Sentinels of Atlantis, where you know I've talked in the past about how a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, um, and a scene has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Well, Sentinels of Atlantis, the whole season has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then each episode has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So, when you read it in one big read like just one back to back it builds and builds and builds and builds and the action gets intense and the emotions get hard and boom 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 and then we have our final episode of the season and there's a you get punched repeatedly through the plot as I move through the scenes and I move through the characters and you go, oh, we got this, we got this, we got that. There's, oh, shit, they're, they're in space. What are we going to do? And the pools and the and the communication and John and Patrick um, finally being in the same room together, sort of, um, and creating um, a um, the beginnings of a, of, a, of a reconciliation. And then we have our sharp decline into the resolution of that. Basically, what if it was on TV would be a four-part episode. It's pretty big. It's, it's 50K. Um, so <coughs> in that range, I think it was one of my, it was my nano project for that year. But my season finale is, is I built it from the very beginning, from the first episode, The Gathering. I built and built and built and built throughout the whole season. So there are things that happen in episode two and three that really build um, character motivation and emotional content. And even though the external plot is is confined to an episode format, the internal plot, the motivations of my characters spread throughout the whole season. And so and what's really awesome is when a reader gets that without me having to explain it. <laughs> well, yeah, because season two um, is a different animal. Um, when um, the build-up and the final event that happens in season one, that final event that um, brings home all of the other events that have, that have come before it. Um, when the Earth gets enveloped in that psionic energy um, and all the sentinels on Earth wake up, come online, that is something that I started building in the first one. In the gathering, your your introduction is John and Rodney coming together and meeting each other and John being exposed, um, having hidden 
the depth of his gifts and abilities. Now, originally, my original plan for Sentinels of Atlantis was to have John come online in the chair in Antarctica. But that is actually really, 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 really close to the source inspiration, uh, which was Lady Holder's story, The Unlikely and the Unwilling, because they met, they meet and bond in Antarctica in her story. And her story is actually the inspiration for mine. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to take that from her. And, and you, it, 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 it felt weird to start in the same place she started. So I moved it to Cheyenne Mountain and changed it. But my original idea was to have John come online in the chair. Yeah, you would have. You'd have been fine with it. Because... But it, I just wanted something different. That's why I also started Ties That Bind where I started it. Um, differently than where Zant started her BDSM AU story. I I wanted to write it somewhere different. And... um to um to separate myself, yes, but to also uh while giving a nod saying, Hey, they inspired this, um, but I'm not gonna take all your ideas <laughs> and make them my own. That's, because that gets a little weird, right? It, it so sometimes it can cross the line. And at the time I wasn't actually um very good friends with Lady Holder. We knew each other, but it wasn't like now. And that makes a difference. I hope. Anyways. Um, <laughs> if there's an idea I would steal from Lady Holder, it would be the Lion Rampart. <laughs> I would steal the fuck out of that. <laughs> I won't put her on the phone. <laughs> I would. I would steal it. I would steal the fuck out of Lion Rampart. What would you steal from me? Oh, God. That one's hard. Um, I put her on the spot, you guys. Yeah, because I wasn't thinking about it. Honestly. Um... I don't think I, it's one idea, but more of a, a the, maybe the Cabbage Patch Babies, you know, for... for well, you've um, already done that, Hobbit. but I didn't do that yeah, originally. I know. We, we, True. We, co- um, we caught that from somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> we caught that. Is, is it an infection? It is an infection. <laughs> Once you go past it, baby, you don't go back. I'm considering rotten one Harry no, Potter. Shit. I can't even hurt myself. Oh God! Um, Edie, you can totally steal my body count. <laughs> you know, actually, the body count is awesome. Um, I, I honestly think the one I would steal is um, your trios, because I don't write trios in in just about anything. And so the, the you mean Doctor Hole? Yeah. Okay. Um, that one. Is that that trio is something that I would I think I would steal, and the potential trio that you keep hinting at, 
with um, uh, Atlantis, I would I would totally steal. <laughs> okay. Um, the other one that I actually have looked at and have not figured out how to swing it was, and I don't even remember what show you did this on, but I know you did it because you were commenting something about John looked at Rodney and goes, you're hiding that in your pants? And <laughs> do you remember that one? I do, I do. I have this idea, and I've never actually written it. But one night, me and Jilly were up late by ourselves. We had chat room got really we interesting that night. Un- we were left unsupervised. Totally unsupervised. And things happened. Yes. And, and what you know happened what? was... I still want to read it. Is I created an AU that I have not written, and you don't have permission oh, to write unless you're lady holder. Damn it. <laughs> or Jilly, <laughs> because she helped. But yeah, you can, but I don't mm-hmm. want anybody doing it at Um, I won't give you the details mm-hmm. so you can't steal it. Oh, you could, but they can't. Okay, anyways. Okay. Um, I created a an alternate universe where there are three sexes, um, male, female, and Janice, and I didn't like that, so then I created an, an AU where Raw, in revenge for um, burying the gate... Yeah, he's just a raging asshole. He mm-hmm. unleashed a um, virus on Earth that killed all the women. Bastard. I know he's an asshole, right? But then that didn't work either. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, what if he brought it? And what if that body he was in when he came to Earth was an Asgard? Mm-hmm. Mm. And what if he brought a disease that made the Asgard what they became? And how would it Im- impact humans? And the, the end result is is that I had had this idea where Rodney was both male and female, and John didn't know. And him and Rodney keep meeting up on Atlantis and having little sexy encounters and kissing and stuff. But when it gets serious, mm-hmm. when it gets serious, Rodney always runs away. And, and John can't figure this out. He doesn't even know why he's not getting laid. You know, it's obvious that, you know, he's, he's, he's himself and Rodney is interested. So why is this happening? And so finally he corners Rodney and says, you need to tell me what's going on because I, if, if you don't want this, you, fine, you just you, you let me know. And I'm, I, I don't want to, you know, do anything inappropriate, mm-hmm. but you keep kissing me. <laughs> And so Rodney confesses to being both male and female. Uh-huh. And John's response in the chat that I had with these girl, these ladies was, well, well, wait a minute. You've got a dick. And Rodney's like, yeah. And you've got a pussy. And Rodney's like, yeah. <laughs> and John's like, you've got my personal Christmas in your pants and you didn't tell me? <laughs> and <laughs> That's why I'm going. <laughs> I'm looking at that idea. So I've, had that, I've had that line in my head for like five years. You have my personal Christmas in your pants, and you didn't tell me. Because in that story, uh-huh. John's by. He just got the. He just got everything he ever wanted in one place, and he's super excited. Um. So, and that's what um, 
That was the idea. Yep. <laughs> I remember reading that and going, that's awesome. I think that's actually what I said. And, yeah. you know, for for the last five years, basically, I've been looking at this going, please show up in, e- in EAD. Please show up in EAD. You know? <laughs> so that's what that's what has been happening um, with that particular thing. And I don't, you know, it's like sometimes you have these little ideas and they kind of stick in your head for a long time and you don't do anything with them and, and then one day you do. Um, so yeah, he has a prostate and a G-spot. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he's fully... Um, he's fully capable of, of having children. Um, he's genuinely male and female. Somebody got the construction right, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. But, you know, now that I've actually written John Rodney as a woman, um, as as Meredith, mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about whether or not McKay would present as female or present as male. Because wouldn't it be really interesting if it was a McKay that presented as female? And because I I think that that would make her more more inclined to um, hide what she's got going on in her pants. Was there a or neither? Who could? But the thing is, is I can't do that because I have to have one or the other because I can't do those neutral pro- those neutral pronouns. They they drive me nuts as a writer. Not as I mean, I can read them, but sometimes it can get very difficult. Like I I, I get confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would end up calling him. I, I would end up calling McKay him or her anyway. I would fuck it all up and insult somebody, and I wouldn't even mean to. <laughs> True. And, so I need to pick one because I can't – I'd fuck it up, and I'd, I'd hurt somebody's feelings or, you know. I was just like, I didn't actually know that hermaphrodite is insulting. It's an insulting word. I had no idea. Huh, me either. Okay. Um, it's a thing. It's practically a slur. I had no clue. I'd have been using it willy-nilly in my story if I hadn't looked it up. Well, and gender politics are, is also why I haven't written it, it's because gender politics are hairy, and I mean that, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, if I wrote this, I would make somebody mad and hurt, and I would never. The thing is, is I don't particularly okay, care if people don't like my work or people get pissed off at me, but I wouldn't want to hurt somebody with my writing mm-hmm. um, by mistake. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I can't write a story where there are no dicks. I lead a cock-worshipping cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, mm, that would go over interesting. I held out my hand um, like, ta <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, something like something like ninety nine percent of your Rodneys or ninety percent of your Rodneys are males. Okay, um, you could always flip it and have John be the one with with the uh, you know with Christmas in his pants. 
and have Julia. I'm making a face. I don't know why. I'm pretty sure you are. It's because originally the idea was that what I had, and when sometimes when you get an idea like that and it's very um, concrete in your brain, it's mm-hmm. difficult to reset. True, but do you remember those those pictures of David Hewlett when he was um, I don't know if he was in a blonde wig or what, but he had the, the fairy wings and the the, the halo thing, and, and he was really but well, yes, I do, and yes, and. The, the, the man brought it, uh, or Demand brought it up um, because he he still had the distinctive face that he's got, but he could play androgynous very well. And she's right. He he, he was incredibly young at the time. Yeah. Um, True. Didn't have he hadn't filled out his face uh, in a very masculine way yet. I I, th- I think he was very young when he did that. Probably eighteen, maybe. You know, and, and and men's faces changes change between say eighteen and twenty five, eight and even twenty five and thirty. Um, there's a there's a change, and, right? But um, I don't know. I um, I don't know. But but the thing is, is he can't be androgynous, whatever he is, because John thinks he's one thing when he's another, when he's both. So John has to be surprised, otherwise it ruins my line. Okay, so do you do you want to write another Meredith? I don't know. I I'm really enamored with um with that particular story the way it is. I don't know if I'd want to write another one. Um, because well, I, I, I have so much copy. ideas about that one in particular mm-hmm. that I want to explore that I wouldn't want to um, blow my water on another story, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, as it were. I adore yeah, I adore hold my coffee. Yes. And you've got a hell of a wad. Um <laughs> My theoretical dick is huge. <laughs> it is. Okay. Um so I guess that I guess that leaves, you know, um doing it as the at least male presenting. Right. You know, and okay. yeah. So, but you know, okay, just... so what percentage of the pot what percentage of the population shares this genetic core? It depends on when I do it. Because if I did it where, like, it was an accident in Area 51, which was my original thing, and there were, like, 30 or 40 that got um, zapped, and Daniel Jackson was one of them. Um, Daniel would roll with it and then make uh, Daniel would definitely roll miserable. With it. He'd write a book. He'd be like, okay, dudes, this is what we're going to do. Dudes and do that. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to be called, you want to be called. These are the new rules for you. This is what we got going on. Um, Oh, and he would shove that whole thing down the throat of the SGC. But uh, then I had an idea where, um, like I said, that Raw did it, and Janice um, basically um, saved humanity by doing some little manipulation to prevent the extinction of of humans on Earth. Um, And by the time it rolls down to present day. Um, they're all male, essentially, um, and some of them can carry children, and some of them can't. But they're all essentially male. And the thing that really amused me about it is when I was thinking about it is that I wouldn't have to change anybody's name because by that point there mm-hmm. would be no male and female names. Names. So Janet could be a man. <laughs> 
True. And so would Sam Carter. They'd all be male. And I wouldn't change anybody's hmm. names because all the names would be neutral. True. I know, it right? It was, that was really interesting. Um, but um, the thing, yeah, like I said, it, there's, there, there. It's a very. I don't mind being confrontational, and I don't even mind being a little controversial. Um, but I don't want to be outright offensive, and so there, that is something that I that I battle with when it comes to this idea, um, um, and what I would do with it, and and how to do it. Um, it's just it's very. Um, but that but that line really 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 amuses me, and it's been amusing me for years. And so eventually, it's going to come out of John's mouth in something. It's going to come out of his mouth in the story. Um, uh, you know, seriously, I I'm I enjoy the hell out of all of the very series. Um, the you know, the urge for, I, I know why I wrote certain things um, with what I've written. Um, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty sure I picked, um, I'd have to actually trace the dates to see when everything was done. But I'm pretty sure that the reason I gave um, John and Rodney in, um, I can't remember the, the series, and this is sad, it's mine. Um, and one of my stories, <laughs> boys, when they were asking or when they went looking for, you know, heirs was, I don't want to deal with girls. And actually, I think also part of it was every single story I've ever writ- uh, read, an uncomplicated choice, um, seems to have those two having girls. All right. I'm sorry. I can't see them having a girl if they have a choice. <laughs> I I don't know I don't um, Sebastian came full fledged in my brain. Mhm. There was no question. Um, Sorry. But uh, I don't know. Um, I don't have a problem either way. Uh, I like the idea of of John having a little girl. She'd be a total princess. And a badass at the same time. Um, <laughs> Hold still, Daddy. Do my do my ponytail so I can go play with Aunt Taylor, and she can teach me how to use Xanto sticks. Right. <laughs> She'd be wearing a tiara at a karate class. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> hmm. yeah, um. This is. You know, the other thing I, I might steal is also, or actually, I did steal with permission is Matthew. Oh well, yeah. Just treat him nice. Be nice. Be nice to my Matthew. Yes, I. Um, <laughs> he's he's currently on Atlantis. <laughs> They've been evacuated from Earth, and um, he's got a little brother. So he's no longer the baby of the family. Ah. Awesome. I've um mm-hmm. I uh lately I've been writing um this ridiculously crackish Hobbit Harry Potter crossover. <laughs> and it's 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 so satisfying. <laughs> it is. Cause come and to find out, 
when you stick a real actual wizard in Lord of the Rings, shit gets real easy. <laughs> well, it does. But, you know, there, there's the, the, the mechanics of, you know, well, killing the dragon is never easy. That's, that's going to be true across the board. But it's the social mechanics that are the hard part in this one, it seems. Because that's yeah. what I'm getting out of it. Okay. The reclaiming Erebor and, you know, um, feeding people, you've got solutions for that. Okay. The social politics of um, blending um, the reality of somebody who can look at you and go, dude, you look better in pink. And Looking a, a piece of stick at you, or a, a stick at you, and your your whole outfit, which was a very darling black and suited you fine with leather, is now a, a hot pink tutu. <laughs> I don't do that in my story, but it's amusing. Um, one thing really <laughs> interesting about um, writing the story and a plot element that I've done has fundamentally changed how I think about a group of characters in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is I made um, the goblins from Earth, they're actually dwarves. Um, dwarf. Mm-hmm. Dwarf. Um, and I, get, I gave them a species wow. of diverger. And what's really interesting is that um, it changed how I think about other stories that I've written. Um, kind of retroactively, um, and so now I see them very differently. Um, I'm gonna say I I agree because I was I was reading what was I reading? Um, the new one that you put up for for uh, Harry Potter, and you know. Um, uh, Ragok uh, hopped into a chair, and I was thinking, he's not that short, <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's like, I don't think he has to hop. <laughs> not really, no, because you know he's he's you know he's Doro. He's probably about four foot six, four foot seven. He doesn't have to hop. He might have to sh- you know shimmy up a little bit, but you know shimmy a little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it's really changed my mental um, – because one of the more interesting quirks about me as a reader is that a lot of times when I'm reading, it plays like a movie in my head. And I think that because that is a, a quirk of my brain, that that translates into my writing as well, and mm-hmm. that, I, that I kind of – write in a, in a movie format in my brain, I, I that doesn't I, I, that probably wasn't explained very well. <laughs> um, you, if I'm going to use that, you don't... Okay. Um, the first the first written pass of your, um, your your movie might have very abrupt scene changes and might actually have a placard that says um, events here in parentheses, <laughs> and then you switch yes. pages. I have a work in progress right the- now. I actually have, it's um, Harry and Hermione. Um, it's called The Hidden War, and I think there might be an EAD 
of that? There is. There is. Um, but there is a... <laughs> In between two scenes, I actually have the words written, insert, retrieve the Elder One. <laughs> yes. You know, it's... I, I, I do <laughs> remember sure that. That part's actually AD or not. But, yeah, it, it's like, because... Um, I didn't want to write that scene at that moment, and normally I mm-hmm. do write in a very linear fashion. Um, but sometimes, mm-hmm. if if I have a scene kind of in my head, um, EAD stands for Evil Author Day. Uh, I have uh, uh, sometimes I'll skip sex, and I'll have a little note that says insert sex scene here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's. Oh, what is it? Um, what I was going to say is, once you once you do the second pass, the the basically the scene changes are a lot. They've been smoothed out a lot. They're not um, they're not nearly as abrupt. Okay, and so um, for me, it's it's not like if you know if uh, an abrupt fade to black or anything. They just happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the rough draft you know, what, what, is, is is your space to to explore mm-hmm. um, and to um, sometimes narrow your focus um, um, when mm-hmm. it comes to your plot. And uh, it and for me, my rough draft is basically my second draft since my plot is my first draft. Uh, and I've never actually shared a, a plot document. Um, and because um, that, that's a very personal process, so you're not likely to ever actually see my plot documents. I, I just um, there there are, there are levels of your craft that are um, very easily described and um, and talked about, but when it comes to my actual plot, um, that feels very personal and intimate. I'd be like showing you my panties. <laughs> When I wear now I'm got now I'm going back to Xanth and wanting to know what the color is. Okay. Moving right yeah. along. Um currently they're pink. Black. Like a like a mauve pink. Like a, you know, like a it's rose. A it's a rose pink. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, um the the link I just put up was um the one over to EAD with the hidden war. Um, you're welcome. The Hidden War does have an attempted um, sexual assault at the start of it, but it's very glossed over and very um, mm-hmm. it's it's not um, not detailed. No, no details. It's, it's very glossed over. All you really see um, on screen is Hermione getting hit. Um, so there mm-hmm. is some some physical. Enough domestic violence, so to speak. Um, but it's about uh I guess the last betrayal. No, you don't have mm-hmm. to wear panties. Panties are optional. <laughs> panties are <laughs> always total. optional and don't let anybody yes. ever tell you different Just please don't give them Your to bra's the Your bra's optional too. Yes. Yeah. Just please don't give them to the tulips. Unless Unless you might hurt yourself, and then you might need to wear a bra. 
I'm just saying. <sighs> yeah. If you might be inclined to suffocate yourself while you're asleep, if you roll over in the bed, you might want to wear a bra. A sports bra at the oh, very least. God. I'm just saying. Just saying. Or if you had to run and you, you know, gave yourself a concussion, if that was oh, a possibility, God. you might want to wear a bra. I'm just putting it out there for you. The I knew one kid in the in the Navy, poor girl. She was she was on a waiting list to get a reduction because she was wearing, if I remember right, a standard bra and two sports bras to keep herself down far enough that she could run. Oh my and goodness. even then it didn't work. Oh yeah. And these were, were sports bras that were just a hair bit too small to give her some more compression. I think that I really hope that she got some reduction at some point. <laughs> I really hope so too. Because from what I remember... Oh, Sybil. Uh, I'm there with you. She says, roll over in the bed and pin a boob. I have done that. Nope. I'm sporting a double D uh, over here. On that so. On my generous days, I'm about a D. <laughs> Administration. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Aunt Flo comes to visit, they get bigger. Bastard. <laughs> but no, I'm a, I'm a double D. Um, so, so there's no um, going without a bra for me. I mean, but I could. I just wouldn't be comfortable. I'll admit, if I'm running around the house, it's debatable. I'm comfortable. Look, here's the thing. If mine get... um. If if mine are free to do what they wish to do, they get sweaty underneath. And I don't like that. <laughs> well, I agree with you there. But currently it's oh. cold out here and I I'm much more likely to just freeze. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> True yeah. story. I went out, I went outside last week and um my husband says, How is it out there? I said, It's kinda of nipply. <laughs> Oh, I have to tell you a story about my mama. Okay, so we play this game on our phones, uh, a spade game, a card game. And in this particular app, they have an undo button. So if you make a mistake, you know, overbid or underbid, and you get mad at it, Uh you can undo, undo, undo until you get to the point where you can fix your mistake. Well, my mom caught me undoing. Uh, a game when I set my partner, um, and she says, that's cheating. I said, if it was cheating, the game wouldn't let me do it. And she said, that's you cheating, realize, you're just terrible. So, you realize yesterday. You realize husband does the same thing. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay. So, yesterday, I look over at her, and I'll be damned if that woman wasn't undoing a whole hand of spades. And I'm like, I thought you said that was cheating. <laughs> And this woman looked at me dead in the face, so fucking serious, and said, I made a life choice. (laughs) Yeah. I 
I had nothing. I I, I said, okay, Mama. <laughs> Uh, so the next time somebody catches you doing something that you said you'd never do, you look at them as seriously as you possibly can and tell them you made a life choice. And then go back to doing whatever the fuck you were doing. Because <laughs> that's what she did. Yep. Didn't even crack a smile. She was like... And then a few minutes later, she started giggling. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, she was undoing the whole game at that point. I was like, what's the point? Just... Forfeit in front of the game, and she told me to shut up. <laughs> she uh, didn't want to mess up her statistics. Yeah, you were eight. Now, there's, now I have to. Now I'm wondering how long she's been doing this and pretending that I'm a cheat for occasionally hitting the undo button. Uh huh. Uh huh. When did she make this life choice? <laughs> long enough ago. To um, probably have have salvaged a lot of games. Situational ethics, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I made a life choice. Uh huh. <sighs> <sighs> Okay, so um, going back to the original part of this question, Mm. I have currently not had to do this. However, I am looking at, um, God, I'm looking at a couple of stories and wondering if I'm going to end up doing this. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, like you know, earlier when I was talking about it, is it's it's really important um, to figure out, and even if you don't, even if you still do it, you need to know why you're doing it. Are are you inserting this character or this subplot or this situation um, because your plot needs it, or because just because you want to? And it doesn't matter Um, what the answer to that question is, as as long as you know the answer um, because if your plot needs it then you've got a lot of work ahead of you <laughs> you have some fundamental issues to solve in your plot and maybe this character or this situation will solve those situate that those issues for you um, but if it's just vanity and um, that that's fine too I mean, it is perfectly fine to do that in fan fiction do, do you do you do whatever the fuck you want um, but uh, I think acknowledging why you want to do it or why you're going to do it is important for your craft as a writer. For me, it's a case of I got stalled and I'm going to have to basically rip the story apart and redo what I've got to make it work. Okay, because um, I I read what I had and it was, I liked the idea, but it didn't, I couldn't figure out how to get it any further the way it was. So, you know, I'm going to um, probably pick the story up one of these times and rip it apart and 
try and put it back together again. So, boy. There's a difference. Non-canon. Yeah. Non-canon, huh? Huh? I'm a Slytherin, too. I am a Slytherin, Mm -hmm. too. I I swore in a Slytherin in every single thing I've ever done. I know, I, I know, fan. I just when I first um, saw it, that's not what I saw, and it kind of threw me off. And I was like, I need new glasses. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you realize the only one of us who's not in Slytherin, and I think that includes OT, is Azure. Yeah, she's our Hufflepuff, and, she, and she's the most evil of us all. And honestly, you know, like I tell people about my dogs. Um, not that I'm calling Azure or myself a dog, but I'm saying if 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 one of us is a bite risk, it's not me. <laughs> I'm not going to say in I here? think she bite them. Oh no, she's in here. She leave? No, she's. It says oh. she's in here. Oh, okay. okay. See? I'm just saying. I have a big I'm dog and a little dog. I tell everybody mm-hmm. to be weary, leery, no, leery, of the little dog. Sorry. Weary? Yeah. Um, leery. I, I can totally see that, you know, Azure would be the person who would be, you know, sweet and wonderful and very much the, the church lady that she happens to be, and then hip check somebody into the honey badger, um, you know, <laughs> enclosure. <laughs> Yeah, I totally see it too. Uh, you know, it's just yeah, no. I um I have never sorted anywhere but Slytherin on any single test I've ever taken. Including the official Pottermore. Um and I forget what house I sorted into in the American school. <laughs> I never took that. I have one. to look. I have to look. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I should so. take that one, I suppose. By the way, I found some, I found a pen that I like, and and I'm using it more than I'm using my magic pen at this point. Really? Yeah, and it's from Pilot, and it's a fountain pen. It's a disposable fountain pen. And but but you can't scan that into your computer. Nope. But I've been writing with it at work, just for. Um, just for the fun of it, it's a nice feeling, um, you know, to write with. And in some ways it gives a, a lovely, you know, um, reminiscence of what it would be like to write, you know, with uh, with a quill. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it's just fun at the moment. Yeah. You know? So, where is it? There we go. Let's see. My Hogwarts house is Slytherin. My Patronus is a mm-hmm. Nebulan cat. My <laughs> wand is maple wood with a unicorn hair at 10 and, at 10 and 3 fourths inches. And surprisingly, swishy flexibility. 
my American house is the horned serpent. Gee. <laughs> Gee. I wonder if that's a surprise. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to say it's a surprise at all. You see, okay, this is really interesting because the horned serpent house is sometimes considered a represent represent the mind of a witch or wizard. It is also said that the horned serpent favors scholars. Mm-hmm. Which is basically the American Ravenclaw, right? I think so, potentially. I'm going to have to look up um, to see what I can find out for mine because I've I've never looked at the American houses. I'm on Pottermore.com, Edie. If you go there and log in, mm-hmm. you can take all these tests to figure out what your stuff is. It's been ages since I did that. <laughs> I'll have to try. <sighs> I am currently rereading all of the EADs. So, it's a lot of fun. Um... Anyways, I'm a Slytherin. Yes. Me too. And a horny serpent. <laughs> that sounds so <clears throat> appropriate. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Those of you who have not been over to the Wild Hair Project, you should go over there because there's lots of stories being posted. Um, mm-hmm. There's a new Harry Potter, Always a Girl Harry, um, and uh, I think we've also got a new mothership story written by Love's Denozo. Um, and, the, and the mothership, of course, is Tony Denozo slash Steve McGarrett. And it's called A Long and Winding Road. Um, started posting yesterday. So uh, you should come over to the Wild Hair Project and check out all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. I've also updated the author profiles. So if you go over to and browse by author, you can see a little more organized profile for the authors. Instead of that big list of postings, you get um, you get a more confined list and I did that because um, there are writers who are only posting to um, the Wild Hair Project and um, I I wanted to give them a better kind of home page um, so this gave them a better page they have an about section that they can fill out mm-hmm. with their bio and their different um, 
you know, their fandoms, their websites, their their social media, if they want to. And the post listings, I think, are a lot neater and easier to go through. Um, that's just my personal opinion. It's very nice looking. You know, it looks yeah, it looks very very easy to to go to um, navigate it, and stuff. So it, yeah. It also looks really great on mobile, and so that was a big factor for me as well. Um, so anyway, so you guys should check out thewildhairproject.com to check out the new stories that we've got over there. I also have um, all bajillion words of um, the phoenix, my story phoenix, on um, Wild Hair Project. There's also another story called Phoenix on Wild Hair Project right now being written by... Hmm, Sadra. I'm probably saying mm-hmm. her name wrong, sorry. Um it, it's a Harry Potter Merlin Sherlock crossover. Um Yeah that so and it's being told in episode format. She's in season one. Uh so yeah, mm-hmm. so just you can check it out, go over there a little bit. And water soda so, so, soda so, water soda is writing a numbers Avengers crossover. So that's mm-hmm. happening over that there one as well. And, I've been reading that one. That and, one's interesting. Actually, I've been reading most everything that pops up there. Also, the Wild Hair Project has become the home of Starkindler, um, and she is posting her work um, piece by piece on the Wild Hair Project. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can go over there. She's a Hobbit writer, and she left AO3. So I, I think I, I believe that the Wild Hair Project is the only um, source. For mm-hmm. for Star Kindler right now, as as far as her fiction goes, and you can find her on the um, you can find her on the author page as well. Um, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> anybody who wants to do their evil author day on the Wild Hair Project, if you're not currently a posting member, let me know, and I can arrange that. If you want to post your um your EADs on the Wild Hair Project separately from other things. Um, I'll be happy to do that for you. Or I'll be happy to help set that up for you so that, so that you can do that um, on the 15th of February. Um, if you want to participate in Evil Author Day, it's certainly not required. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, someone asked me how Evil Author Day started, and there was a thing on LiveJournal um, where someone – I think I saw Dances with Gary do it. I'm not sure who did it before her, if she was the first. She posted a screen capture of her work in progress folder and told her readers to pick out things they want to read out of her work in progress folder, and she would post a excerpt of it. And I saw that and thought, oh, my God, it must be Evil Author Day. And that's what I said. On my, I said, since you know, these authors are being evil, I thought I would join in. And February 15th is actually National Fan Fiction or International Fan Fiction Day or Fan Work Day. <laughs> and so that's what, that's what it was. And it became this thing, Evil Author Day. Um, and I originally posted a picture right. of my work in progress folder and let you guys pick what you wanted to read and of course Mm -hmm. it was practically everything but now honestly I could not take one screenshot of my work in progress folder because I have six because I separated my fiction out by fandom and then in Harry Potter I separated it by time travel future fic, war fic post Hogwarts fic 
I'm, 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 so that, there's just there's just a lot there's just a lot going on there. Um, so I could not post it, but what the next year when I did it again, I just posted what I wanted you guys to see, and that's how I've been doing it ever since. Um, yeah, I'm I'm. Mm. I've been rereading EAD and enjoying the hell out of it and, and humming to myself and just being good. Damn. Okay, does anyone wait? Oh, I need to stop this. Does that stop the? No, that doesn't do it. I was trying to stop the chat room so I could read that. Um, does anyone remember a fic where Harry comes back in time and when he goes to the third task, he plans to capture Peter in the graveyard? And get out before Voldemort gets a new body. But Cedric ends up stunning him into the cup, and he ends up arriving unconscious at the graveyard. And in the end, Voldemort gets his body, and there's a fairy, a firefight, and Harry is able to port Key out with Pettigrew. It's Harry and Hermione. I I remember it. I remember that. I don't remember um, who wrote it. I also vaguely, visually have memories of it, reading it, and I feel like it's on fanfiction.net. I say this because I I do kind of remember the formatting, and I, I have, a, a lot of times I attach visual memories to my reading experiences, um, and mm-hmm. so that's what I picture, um, fanfiction.net. But also, 99% of the Harry Hermione fiction I've read in the fandom was on fanfiction.net. <laughs> Honestly, I found that if I'm going to read Harry and Hermione, I've read some, you know, besides yours and, and, you know, other minions, but I like yours better. I know that's, that's whatever, but it's just me. That's because you guys genuinely, Lady Holder is a Harry Draco shipper. She's a Draco shipper. That's pretty much true. Um, and she tolerates my Harry yeah. Hermione. Well, I like it when you're Harry and Hermione are both vicious, vicious people who absolutely do their level best to fuck everybody up. And then I just sit there and I giggle my way through the, the fix. But then again, I also enjoy the same when it's Harry and Draco and then when it's the threesome. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, um, I'm not going to lie on that one. I just prefer it when you're vicious. It's much more entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on the pit. I I, I really believe that. Um, but you know, on fanfiction.net, they have communities where people have gathered up. Um, they've they've made fiction communities where they gather up their favorites, and they have time travel Harry Hermione um, communities. So you might start there first. Um, I think fourth year is actually not a popular choice to make for time travel. I think a lot of people pick either first year or third year, so they get an opportunity to free Sirius sooner. Um, oh, Barbara, uh, are you t- are are you are you saying I I you did your Harry Potter virginity? Is is, is that what you're saying? You I popped your cherry. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, 
the the one that you did. Well, no, wait a second. Fourth year. It was. Wow. You said a lot, apparently. My fictional experience is quite extensive, apparently. Yeah, apparently. You know, the... I have read that. I have read it though. Um, so you're not imagining it, if that helps. <laughs> because there's nothing really more irritating than looking for. I'm putting that on my Facebook profile um, as one of my um, previous. <laughs> Work experience careers. Um, there's nothing really more irritating than looking for a fic and you're not sure if it actually exists. And I think as a writer, sometimes I'll have these ideas and I'll write them out in my head and not actually put them down on paper. And then I'll forget that I write them and I'll be looking for them and it'll be my own shit that, that never got written. Oh, youch. Yeah, my my fan. <laughs> my the one for me is honestly is when you have given us just the the sometimes it's the EAD, sometimes it's ideas we're discussing in the various chats. And I I fall in love with the idea and then it pops up later and I want to read it and it's like damn it. That was just an idea. So, so as you put yeah. in the chat room Kira's a fixed sexual. So Guess what popped into my head almost immediately? <laughs> yes. uh, Dr. Frankenberger? Yes, it did. I was like, I'm just a sweet transvestite. <laughs> it popped right into my head. I was like, from transsexual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just right there. Uh, I'm making a man. Blonde hair with a tan. I've I've watched <laughs> the Rocky Horror Picture Show quite a few times. Um, sometimes Apparently. even in costume. Yeah. Mm. Let's see. Oh, God love these people. <sighs> Copy. <laughs> How'd you get the chat room on your phone? Anticipation. <laughs> uh, in in my brain now. Thank you, Azure. That's an earworm I'll keep all fucking weekend. <laughs> oh, you saw the one I gave my husband. Or actually, he gave me, I should say. Hmm. Damn, which doctor? Um, I guess it could be worse. True. There's an app for Chatwing. That's pretty cool. Cool. Hmm. Um. But um, yeah. So sometimes you know, um, what you know, honestly, there are plenty of stories on my site that I have finished. 
that I look back on and think, oh, I wish I'd done that, or I wish I'd done that, or I wish I'd used this character here, or, you know, just... Well, you ate, you ate it off of one of yours, so why can't you do it off another? Yeah, I know, right? Um, and it's just, it's honestly, I think in some respects, Darkly Lowell is an AU of <laughs> unspeakable plot. It is. It is in some ways because you've got the three of them. Yeah. You've got them moving successfully. They've got a solid foundation to build off of. They just never went unspeakable. They just they were um, they either not, never got the opportunity to be offered it because their ages are slightly different in that one, um, and also because of Molly Weasley, um, and because of wouldn't Molly leave them alone, she, and they and they left Britain. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah and, I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've often said that Lantian Legacy is a AU of what might have been, um, and uh, it. it's uh, it's the through the through the um, through the mirror darkly type of, yeah, of AU in some ways because it is darker. Um, I personally always a rat bastard. I can't stand Percy. I think Percy and Ron oh, should have died instead of Fred. Uh huh. I'll take it. And Dobby. Yep. <laughs> yep. The the really fun one is where you're thinking about a story and you really want to read it again and you know it's wonderful and it's lovely and everything and then you find out it's yours. And it's written. I know, right? It's been up there. I've had that experience because a lot of times I write things I want to read (laughs) that I couldn't find Uh anywhere else. So I wrote my own version of it. Yes, and what's even more interesting is lately, um, I have fibromyalgia, and um, I have I've been having some memory issues. But the more interesting thing about it is, so I can read my old writing, and it's practically brand new to me. <laughs> it's one way to check it, check it out and see it for you know with a fresh eye. It's like that's yeah. really good. <laughs> Go you. <laughs> oh man. Let's see. I had this idea once. Oh yeah. For a Groundhog Day story, where um, Harry is an art, a magical cop. <laughs> or we're not having that discussion again. We're not having that discussion again. We've been having that discussion for damn near 10 years. Anywho. The magical cop. He's a magical cop. Or maybe an unspeakable. Uh Either way. Um, And he's on the job, and he gets caught in a time loop. And once he realizes he's in a time loop, he starts doing shit to make himself happy because he knows it's going to reset. Like, he kills Ron 10, 15, 20, 200 times, just because why the hell not? He goes around kissing people that he's always wanted to kiss, 
but didn't for various reasons. Because why the hell not? <laughs> With permission. Own. Oh, dear. How many of but them are going to remember? None of them. It's, so he kills, he kills Ron like he kills Ron a bunch of times because he just he realizes he just hates his guts. And the more he does it, the more he likes it. And so it's like it's because just over and over and over again he's looping. Um and then he kisses the one person he hasn't kissed and he's stuck. The time loop stops. And so whatever he's done that day he has to live with. <laughs> oh dear. So I can't decide if it's a Harry-Hermione pairing or a Harry-Draco pairing. But either way, the time loop ends when he when he kisses the person he's supposed to be with. And then he has to live with whatever he did that day. He has to live with it. Wake up, kill Ron. Run around, <laughs> do all these other things. What's on the list Cuss today? Okay, wake out. up, kill Ron. Just... Cuss <laughs> yeah, hey, that, there's that one. Buy all the shit so, that I didn't buy the first time because, so, goddamn, it was neat, and why didn't I get it? <laughs> in my in my idea book, um, it's actually called the to do list. <laughs> oh God, that's great. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. Poking at and what I what I'm poking at right now is kind of a blend of an idea that you, Jillian, and I talked about ages ago. And it's um <laughs> it's a it's a double O seven one and um I've got as I call it a house with a capital H and the house is Cortisons and all the potential doubles get training, and we'll see how that goes. And I'm about six pages in at the moment, so that's going to be interesting. And I have to figure out what I'm doing with that because I'm just riding away, completely pantsing it like it would completely drive you crazy. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay. I clicked a link. That's, it's not my fault. It's Edie. Right in, didn't it's, it? it's Edie's fault. <laughs> she gave me a link. I know. And there's no, she gave me another one. <laughs> Even better. Is that a 500 white kill Zima? Because if it is, I could be gone. The mini does. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bookmark that. Okay, bookmarked. Huh. That's interesting, Boo. Very. For April, I'm working on a story where the Weasleys are considered without honor and the twins want to run away at six to not be Weasleys. That's a good choice. <laughs> I want to read oh, that yeah, thick, yeah, too. I'm Yay for April! <laughs> is, all right, is it March that's going to be your RT story, right? That's going to be your RT story? I hope so. Looking forward to that. 
Because, mm-hmm. honestly, when it comes to Harry Potter fandom, the only thing that I actually love more than Weasley bashing is nothing. <laughs> There's nothing I love more than Weasley bashing. <laughs> it definitely makes my day. It'll be so exciting. I'm so excited. It'll be your first RT. Sweetie, you're going to have a great Yay. day. Yay! It's our RT virgin, you guys. We'll have to be extra nice to her. <laughs> True. Huh. But you know, last challenge, um, we didn't have nearly as many crap-ass commenters as we did in July. I was was really relieved and surprised. Because um, there's always an asshole. There's always an asshole. But don't worry, Boo, you, um, the authors never get to see um, the assholes. Um, no. It's just the mod team sees them, so you don't have to worry about it. You'll never see it. Um, that's how I treat um, RT and Wild Hair. Um, the authors mm-hmm. never see shit comments from from trolls. It's, it's a troll-free zone. Um, and if somebody gets completely out of line, I ban their ass from commenting forever. Mm-hmm. That makes life interesting. And, Boo, you know, thank you for coming back to writing. The twins are going to run to the Malfoys. I'm so excited. They're going to be Malfoys. I'm so excited. (laughs) I can't wait. But don't let me um, stress you out either. Don't don't think about me. I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking of this. Hi, Ancestor. I'm so (gasps) Yeah, you know, me too. This is Fred and George, your new sons. <laughs> Get the ritual ring ready. Get the ritual circle ready. <laughs> Draco's toiling behind. I have breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> well, we're all excited, Boo. We're so excited. Um. Oh, yeah. I don't know if the manor would actually last, but, you know, I think it's going to well, be great. Well, if you're not comfortable in the RT challenge environment, you can always um, tandem post on wild hair during the oh. challenge just to challenge yourself personally but not have the stress of rough trade. Mm-hmm. Because I think I've made it a grand total of once and I, of doing this, but I keep... I think the one year I didn't, I got a very, um, I don't know. How much did you give me the the what the fuck looks over the internet and and on the phone? Which one? (laughs) The year I, yeah, the year I didn't go for an RT. Because there there was one year I, I skipped it. You know, you know it's terrible when you run a big writing challenge online and your best friend <laughs> skips it. <laughs> I had shit going that doesn't year. Even, I was a little bit doesn't even put up a picture. Doesn't even doesn't even pretend like she's gonna do it. <laughs> no, but this year, you know, this year you you know I'm gonna do it. You've got proof. I'm really excited about that one too, Boo. Do you want to join Wild Hair? <laughs> Send me an application. Ooh. 
<laughs> but um, um, I've never actually read a story where he's raised by his grandparents. Harry Potter raised by raised by his grandparents. Um, that would be really interesting. I I've, I've never that's read that. That's a completely that. different take. Yeah, that's a completely yeah. different take. Oh, that's different. I think Especially you're a cock tease. I was like. <laughs> I'm super teased now. I'm, I feel super, super deprived Dude. that I'm not privy to your hard drive right now. I'm, be, I'm beginning to, to, oh, to feel like I understand how you feel. <laughs> no, don't Doesn't mind it. us. We're just playing. We're just playing. You do you, and we'll wait so, very patiently, you, whenever, quietly. Whenever, <laughs> shit. whenever you feel comfortable, okay, and putting this up, if it's on... Um, you know, white, uh, wild hair, or if it's up on AO3, or you find your own uh, place to do it, or, you know, you decide to do EAD, wherever you decide to put this, whenever you decide to put this, you know, we'll be supporting you 110%, you know, shaking the, the, the various versions it. of pom-poms behind you. Yes. I'm there for it already. I am there for it. I'm so excited. Um I- <clears throat> One of the most interest, one of the most fun things about being, um, about having R- um, RT and um, the Wild Hair Project, um, is that uh, just just being around other writers is so inspiring. Talking to other writers, watching them put their work together, watching them post, um, just seeing their their story kind of expand on you and develop is honestly. Um, for me as a writer, the most inspiring part of of the whole thing. It's just, um, I'm here for it. Uh, that, that's just it. Mm-hmm. Because um, no, no one honestly engages me or entertains me more than another writer. And I don't even mean what they write. I mean them as an individual. Because that's my people. Um, and uh, when you're around your people... It's really awesome. I love readers. I think they're great. I think they're awesome. I put my stuff out there for them to read. But when it comes to other writers, there's honestly nothing more inspiring to me than another writer. It's just, it's amazing. You can look for a beta boo on Rough Trade. We have a forum. You can go over to the forum and put up your information. Mm -hmm. And, um... I'm pretty sure you'll get some volunteers. <laughs> At least one or two dozen. Um, <laughs> I, you know, supportive readers are awesome because I know when I put something out um, that my readers are going to come read it and you know be really supportive and tell me what they think and um, you know and it, it's just it's really really awesome and rewarding. To, to entertain others but um, my main source of inspiration will always be other writers uh, and I think that if you're a fan fiction writer that couldn't be more true because you're inspired by the work of other people so much you feel the need to mm-hmm. post fan fiction <laughs> well I think um, with, with the one that I've got coming up for April I'm going to have to put um, a disclaimer on it you know, for my author's note which isn't going to be anything to do with the specifics about the the story is going to be a thank you to every single Harry Potter writer I've ever read. I'm probably going to use your your ideas, and you know this is you know there's far too many of you to count, 
So this is my thank you to every single one of you. Because there's there's so many cliches that have been spawned in that fandom that if you try and thank each individual writer who's found, who, who did something that you like, my author notes would be bigger than the fic. Yeah. Yeah, true enough. Or at least the first chapter. <laughs> yeah, 10 pages of tags. And thank you mm-hmm. to... <laughs> yes. And thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you. Um, but this person, uh, that person, and all the others. When it comes to Harry Potter, um, my my favorite things will always be Weasley bashing, um, Dumbledore bashing, mm-hmm. or Evil Dumbledore. I love Evil Dumbledore. Oh. Um, uh, noble Harry. I I love it when he's a you know uh, an, an earl or, um, um, of course I'm writing him as a king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I I love that Lord Potter stuff. I fucking love it. It's my favorite thing. Um, and I'm really enamored lately with um, post-Hogwarts fix. so I think that my April offering will be a post-Hogwarts. Um, I actually had an idea in the car. Um, I have a bunch of ideas flicking around, and I want to point out that the April challenge is open to works in progress. Because I want to make this challenge a little bit more relaxed. So if, if you have a work in progress that you can add 30K to in April, it qualifies to be on... Um, I read your I read your blog. I do read your blog. Hmm. I'm there for that. I read that blog all the time. Not all the time, whenever you post. It's on my list. And of course, time travel. If and if you can mix Dumbledore bashing, Weasley bashing, Lord Potter, time travel, and Harry and Hermione, I'm there for it. <laughs> I'm all up in it. I couldn't be more up in it if I tried. I haven't read this, but I think I'm going to be. So let's just leave that where it is. Things to read later. Um, I like the the, the uh, options that Noble Harry gives you, um, or at least, uh, if not directly Noble Harry, then um, Noble by proxy, which is what I. Well, no, wait a second. I did have him be Noble. Um, I pretty much had him be a noble on everything. Okay, never mind. You you got me that good. I didn't notice. I did it with all my Harry Potters. <laughs> well, I... The, the, the one, I was going to say the one I finished where, you know, I sent them back in time to, um, you know, the, the time of King Arthur, he was he started out as a noble. April can be anything you want it to be, as long as it's set in Harry Potter. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's just Harry Potter. It can be an AU. It can be a crossover. It can be a work in progress. It can be something new. Um, there are no. This is our just kind of relaxed challenge for after after we did November and just you know slow your roll. <laughs> Do whatever you like. <coughs> mm-hmm. 
so on. <coughs> Ow. I'm pretty sure you're going to find plenty that non can. <sighs> oh, Lord. <sighs> uh-huh. I actually... I aspirated um, juice from my orange slice into my lungs. Ooh, owie. So the flesh went down the right hole and the juice went down the wrong. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that burns like acid reflux. Oh, God. Mm. You go right ahead, Ash. Ash, your I comments, love, considering I, I everything. Love, um, Friendly goblins and shopping trips and, um, <clears throat> yeah, but it is yeah. the best way to get your vitamin C. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Well, you know, that's that's a direct level of absorption there. Hmm. You know, I think we'll be going to a slightly different, or actually a very different fandom, but with a slightly different trope. Um, when you have, and I know it's it's semi-canon, when you have John B. well off in Atlantis, it seems to offer up some more options. Oh God! Who wants to put? Ugh. Who wants to put? I don't ginger think I don't in... think lime goes anywhere near Coke any, to begin with. Much less ginger lime. Jesus. Mhm. Oh God, as that's just not a visual I need. I I just I just um I got nothing. Um, unfortunately, I do, and and I need to get rid of it. So that was in the podcast um, archive um, for posterity. Azure just typed into the chat room. Though I haven't yet written Harry Riding Neville's Majestic Unicorn. I still got nothing. I I got what I've got is I don't want it anymore. <laughs> you sounded so sad. I know. Which, which makes me terrible, right? Because I'm laughing at her sadness. Neville does yeah. need more love. He does. I'm just not a a, a shipper of, of Harry Neville. Um, I I can't ship it because I I just kind of ha- I I kind of picture them 
as brothers kind of in my head. And so it, it's like, um, I, someone needs their ass whooped. Who posted that? You. Me? You need your ass whooped. <laughs> I'm going to have pain. I might as well enjoy it and, sp- and spread it. But I sharing is not metal. caring in this instance. It's it's just not. Yeah, well. Most of the time I try really to warn you when I'm going to be horrible. You know, you know that um, Daniel Radcliffe did that play with the horses and mm-hmm. I did find you the picture. Uh, yeah, but that's not you, you know what that play is about, right? I don't really want to know. Thanks, I'll pass. I you don't get a choice. I'll let you hang up on me. Um, <laughs> no. The character in that play has sex with the horses. That's what I thought it was going to be about. <laughs> That's what I thought it was going to be about. I mean, I've never watched the play. That's just what I heard. Is that seventh row, front center? Okay. How'd that go, Boo? <clears throat> Awe inspiring. <laughs> um, his okay. Because he's taking that, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> balls. Okay. Operation loses balls. <laughs> so and there's this whole there's this whole thread inside the 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 post about instead of saying um, somebody goes crazy or um, or whatever you just start saying that he, he lost his balls. I'm being I'm being a filthy old lady. God damn it! I've seen the picture, um, but the, the picture I saw wasn't. It, it was photoshopped because Daniel Radcliffe is apparently circumcised, and the picture of that I saw was an uncircumcised penis. So someone had photoshopped him, and I was like, hmm. "Huh?" Because I had read an interview about. Daniel, yeah, boo. You have front row seventh, um, seventh row front center evidence of his um, circumcision. Circumcision. Um, but so yeah, but I have also seen the pic. The I assume it's his real penis because there was a circumcision, and I'm not mad at it. <laughs> but I'm this also really glad when, when you started. As a matter of fact, I think this was the start of why you had Harry be, um, well, I understand why why uh, Hermione was missing a couple inches when they went back in time. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 
was a feeling in my nethers. <laughs> oh yeah. God damn. That's um Let's just all be really you know, thankful that he's an adult. He's a grown man. Amen. And it's okay to talk to talk about his penis. <laughs> now <laughs> Well he was an adult when he did it. He um he was an adult uh-huh. when he when he Barely. did that play. So um What's what's really interesting is I know that J.K. Rowling went to see the first showing in in Britain. Um, mm-hmm. That had to be a little awkward. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Well, the 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 actor who played Neville when he did that one ad where he's in his underwear. When he was, she said she told him to put his clothes on. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's very nice, Matthew. You put your that clothes was, on. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Huh. It's really funny. It's hilarious. Um, but you know, the thing is, is I don't think any actor would agree to play that part unless they had nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> True. I mean, it, it, <laughs> Cause just, just knowing that he agreed to play that part tells you what, that he thinks his junk is perfectly okay and reasonable size. <laughs> that it's impressive because you don't want to have undersized junk for that particular role. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> now that we've had a oh, yeah. discussion about Daniel Radcliffe's penis, um, we'll be ending the show on that note. Because we're done in 60 seconds. Um Rogue, I hope I answered your question um, in a roundabout way. And um, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Say good night. Oh, yeah. Good night.